Okay, let's pay from homage to the Buddha first. Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Today's last talk. <laughs> okay. Today's talk is contemplation of the mind. How to contemplate your mind? Okay. What is mind? Mind is the combination of two things: huh? consciousness and mental factors. These two combination mind. Consciousness is just aware of something. Consciousness itself has no good or bad. Consciousness become good or bad depend on the associated mental factors. So mental factors we have greed, hatred, delusion, mindfulness, effort, uh, compassion, uh, concentration, uh, loving kindness, patience, and so on. These are mental factors. So mental factors influence the consciousness to become good or bad. So these two combination, consciousness and mental factors, are called mind. Okay. So why should we contemplate mind? Contemplate mind is more important than contemplation of the body. Why? Because in the first verse of the Dhammapada, the Buddha said, mind is forerunner of all states. Mind precedes all phenomena. When the mind is controlled, protected, uh, tamed, then the protected and tamed, controlled mind brings happiness. And happiness is what we want in life. And when mind is controlled, uh, is tamed, then the body remains controlled. The verbal, verbal action, body action, remain controlled and guarded. Then the guarded bodily action, verbal action, and mental action bring happiness. So this is the first reason why we should contemplate mind. Because well. Guarded mind bring happiness. Okay. Number two, why we should contemplate mind? Because the mind in which 
wrong view of egoism, the wrong view of I, those. Now we have identity view, wrong view of egoism, wrong view of I. Where this, where this wrong view of I dwells, it dwells in the mind. And the final goal of practice is to remove this identity view. So if we do not contemplate the mind, see the arising and passing away cause effect of the mind, how can we dispel the wrong view of egoism, the wrong view of I. So this is the second reason. Okay. The third reason to contemplate mind is to eliminate the prevalence of a deep-rooted wrong view of identification of consciousness as permanent soul. I don't know this uh, permanent soul is it common in America or not but in Asia it's very common many people regard a soul after after dying you know any beings or human beings after death they discard the body but the soul, uh, the soul transmigrate or reincarnate from one existence to another existence. Is this view common in USA or not? Yeah. Huh? Mm-hmm. Common in USA? Oh, I thought you all believe in annihilation. After that, no more. Which one you believe more? Huh? So which one more? They believe in eternal soul migrate from one existence to another existence or they believe in annihilation. Which, which belief they, they adopt more? It's really either way. I think most people believe that the soul goes to heaven and there it has eternal life so it lives forever in heaven. Um, so this they believe this more. I think so. Yeah, is that how you put it? Right, Christianity. Anyway, this Christian country. So I think, okay, so same like Asia. <laughs> <laughs> so same like India. You know, the belief in Atama, eternal soul. Huh? After that body, we discard the body. But the same soul transmigrate reincarnate from one existence to another existence. So the purpose of contemplate the mind is to eliminate this type of wrong view. And this type of wrong view is very, very common for everyone, even though among the Buddhists themselves. During Buddha's time, there was a monk called Bhikkhu Sati. Even he was a monk, he also has this type of wrong view, eternal soul. So he told his fellow monk, when a person dies, the same consciousness transmigrate to one existence to an, uh, from one existence to another existence. 
and the same consciousness uh, experience the result of the past. This same consciousness is the same soul. What it means, what he wants to say is the same soul. Uh, experience the action of the past. Uh, uh, the, uh, experience the the result of the past action. So his fellow monks told him, uh, Buddha never said like that. You shouldn't speak in such a way. You mislead people. But the Bhikkhu Sati said, No, it's the same soul transmigrate from one existence to another. It's the same soul, it's the same consciousness experience the result of the past. Uh, it's the same uh, consciousness speaks. It's the same consciousness act. So the fellow monk cannot you know, uh, convince him. So they reported to the Buddha. Buddha said, okay, call him, come. <laughs> <laughs> then because of it came. Huh? Then Buddha said, do you mention that the same soul transmigrate from one assistant to another? In front of the Buddha, no one can tell lies. Because Buddha got psychic power, he can read people's mind. You know? <laughs> so he said, yes. Okay. Then Buddha started to reprimand him. He said, foolish monk, who, you know, who taught you such teaching? Huh? I never say such teaching. I never preach such teaching before. Huh? You, do you, uh, don't you understand my teaching is merely concerned with cause and effect. Now, only cause and effect. Dependent on ignorance, karmic formation. Dependent on karmic formation, consciousness. And depend on consciousness, mind and matter. Depend on mind and matter, six sense spaces, and so on. I have taught you dependent origination already. So my teaching is merely cause and effect and constantly arising and passing away. Never have I said the same consciousness transmigrate from one existence to another. So the Buddha reprimanded him, so he uh, kept silent, uh, cannot say anything. So this shows that even they stay very close to the Buddha, and yet they still have this type of wrong view. So this type of wrong view is very, very deep-rooted in our mental stream. If a person cannot see the cause-effect of the mind, So it's very important to contemplate your mind to see it's not a, it's not the same soul transmigrate from one existence to another. It's merely cause and conditions. Okay. This is the third reason. The fourth reason, nah, nah, the Buddha said, he says some beings might experience revulsion and this passion to body uh, composed of four elements of earth element, water element, fire element, and wind element. Why? Because the growth and decline, uh, the birth and death, uh, the growth and the decline, and, uh, and the body lay aside. Uh, is 
sin, easily sin. The body grow and decline, old, get old, you know, and die. It's very easily sin, but not the mind. Why? Because for a long time, it has been held or grasped. And the mind has been held and grasped as I, my, myself. So it's not easy to develop revulsion or dispassion towards the mind. But it's very easy to develop revulsion or dispassion towards the body and liberate from the body. So when, <coughs> you, when you pay attention to the four elements or when you keep on scanning, keep on keeping your attention in the body for a long time, you know, for a long time. You can see, gradually you do not see the body form. What you see is only very tiny particles, like bubbling, you know, arising and passing away, like the energy in the state of flux. Then at a time, you understand, you know, bubbling sometimes, the whole body like breaking up. So at a time, you see the true nature of this body. And you get very dispassionate. You get revulsion towards it. So it's very easy to get revulsion towards this body, but not to the mind. Huh? You're still seeing the mind is watching the body, so you do not get disgusted. You do not get dispassionate towards this mind yet. Because it has been long, the mind has been long huh? uh, held or clasped as I, my, myself, my as I, my as myself. So it's not easy to develop this passion or revulsion towards this mind. And the Buddha said, huh? mind and body are not self, but it would better if you want now, if any, any person wants to consider mind and body as self, it would better take body as a self, not the mind. Because body is sin. The process of birth and death is easily seen in this body. Huh? And the body can be seen standing from we, when, when we are uh, born, huh? born, then 2 years old, 3 years old, 10 years old, until 20 years old, 30 years old, 50 years old, 70 years old. So it seems that the body lasts for, for quite some time. You know? So to take it as a cell is okay, because from the child until old, we see it standing there for 70 years, 80 years. So it's better to take body as self. If you want to take body and mind as self, better take the body as self, but not the mind. Why? Because the mind arises as one thing and ceases as another by day and night. i give you an example. Huh? When taking your meal, you see a bowl of uh, dishes, colorful. Huh? When 
I consciousness, I consciousness is mine. I consciousness arises seeing that the color of the food. So the I consciousness arise seeing that color of the food. And at the same time, you also smell the 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 frequency of the food. So there's the nose consciousness. Nose consciousness arise smelling the frequency of the food. Then you put. You stretch your hand, take the food. This is called body body consciousness, touching the food. No, you putting into your mouth. Then you chew. Then the taste comes. So it's the tongue consciousness, another consciousness. Start with eye consciousness, then nose consciousness, then you taste tongue consciousness. When you taste the tongue, the feeling arises. Then pleasant feeling arises. Then craving arises. So another mind arises. Then craving arises, so another mind. And after you keep on lingering in that good taste, just another mind arises. So the mind arises as one, as one thing, and ceases as another. Ceases with your keep on lingering on that good taste. Start with eye consciousness, end up with lingering on that good taste. Craving arises. So you can see, so quick, no, the mind arises as one, ceases as another. So how, just like monkey, ah, roaming in the forest, ah, the monkey grabs glass hook, a glass hole on one branch, then jump to another glass hook to another branch, then jump another glass hole to another branch. So the mind always keep on grasping different type of object. So the mind arises as maybe eye consciousness, but Ceases as craving consciousness. So how can we say that this type, the fast changing of the mind as I mind myself, cannot we cannot regard it as mind as I mind myself. So in order to reach this state. We have to contemplate the mind for these four reasons. Okay, then the problem comes: how to contemplate? How to contemplate? In order to contemplate the mind, we need two mental factors. Number one, mindfulness, sati, mindfulness. Mindfulness, I have explained many times already. Mindfulness is pleasant of the mind, the bare attention to whatever arises at this moment without passing judgment, without adding in your view, without adding in preference, your liking or dislike. Whether the phenomena is good or bad is not your concern. You only just watch, like watch other people's, other people's business. This is mindfulness. So whatever might arise in you, let's say the anger. You know, in my interview, many women told me they have a lot of anger. How to overcome the frustration, anger? Later on, I will deal with this one. Okay. So let's say anger has a reason. Okay. If the mind. Has at that moment has no mindfulness. What will happen? What will happen? The anger will just run away. Run away. The anger will run away and get greater and greater. Hmm. Hmm. 
So when there's the anger has arisen in the mind, huh? at that moment you have no mindfulness. Then this person will react accordingly to that anger. He must utter hard speech, or he want to beat somebody, he want to throw something, you know, because the anger itself he got to release from that. So he must take action in order to release the anger. This is called no mindfulness. You are acting. You are react towards the anger. Okay. But with mindfulness, that's why mindfulness with mindfulness thing become different. Uh, suppose you are driving a car. Uh, you are driving a car. You see the the light turn to red. What are you going to do? Stop. Stop. That stop is called mindfulness. If you do not stop. You go ahead. What's the result? You meet with accident. When you meet with accident, you you hurt yourself, and you hurt another person. So when I'm, so this mindfulness is equal to brick in your car system. Huh? A car system without a brick is very dangerous. Any time the accident will happen. So. When the anger has arisen, you quickly step the brick, yeah? break it, stopping it by just aware, anger, know it, know, know, know. That knowing slow down your action. Yeah? No, no, no. Anger has arisen. Anger has arisen. Yeah? You already step, so you wouldn't hit the, you wouldn't go forward to hit another person. But just aware is not enough. Huh? Mindfulness alone is not enough. In US, in, in many in this world, huh, many teachers teach mindfulness meditation. But I want to add in one thing which I think is very important. That is called wisdom. Huh? Mindfulness alone is not enough. Mindfulness just stop on you must apply after mindfulness, you apply wisdom. How to apply? You contemplate, you take that anger as your object of contemplation, as the object of your observation. Then mentally you contemplate anger is impermanent, impermanent, impermanent. Tell yourself, mark it as impermanent, perceive it as impermanent. Then sometimes you also can perceive it as cause and effect, cause and effect, just a mental phenomena, just a mental phenomena, not I, not mine, not myself. Now this wisdom. Mindfulness cannot see things arising and passing away. Only wisdom can see things arising and passing away. So whatever phenomena, for example, Depression, huh? depression has arise, arisen in you. First, you must apply mindfulness first. Without mindfulness, you cannot apply wisdom. Huh? Mindfulness to stop it for a while, hold it first. Don't give to the action. You know? If you don't hold it, then you will give it into action, then you hurt yourself and you hurt other people. So hold it first. Then wisdom, see it, perceive it, 
as impermanent, impermanent, impermanent. Mark it many, many times. Ten times, twenty times. Huh? Then also mark it as cause and effect. Not I, not myself. Cause and effect, not I, not myself. Until it loses the power to affect you. Then you are succeed. You succeed in overcoming the negative emotions. Once you succeed, one time you gain the confidence. You gain the con- conviction. Oh, really, depression is not mine. It's impermanent. Why I all the time cling to it? Why I think it is in, in, why I think it as permanent that, that give me so much suffering. So so the anger also, huh? Hold it, hold the anger first, huh? Mindful of it, then contemplate it as impermanent, impermanent, impermanent. You stop, you can stand still and contemplate as impermanent, impermanent, impermanent until you see it fade away. Then you feel released. Very, very religious. Not only then, huh? your faith, your confidence in overcoming the negative emotion increase in dips and bounds. So, so the fear, huh? the fear, the sorrow, the worry, the anxiety, whatever negative emotion arises in your mental stream, you just apply first mindfulness, second wisdom. Then I guarantee you, you are bound to make progress in the path. You believe me or not? (laughs) This is the way I practice. But now because it becomes so habitual, I don't have to contemplate. Um, I just know impermanent, let go very quick. I don't have to hold it and, and see. <laughs> and, unless that is very powerful, then I hold it. Then contemplate more, more effort huh? until it passes away. Okay, gone really. So, this is the way I find happiness in my life. Huh? When before I know this technique, before I practice in this way, you know, I was very unhappy person. You know? Unhappy person. My student asked me, "Why, wow, sister? Why are you so unhappy?" I say, "Buddha say life is suffering." <laughs> <laughs> so I only know how to answer. Buddha say life is suffering. So to be unhappy is correct. <laughs> when I start to know this this practice, when I start to practice this mindfulness and and Wisdom, oh, you know, after I came to USA again, uh, especially at USA and Canada, uh, nine years ago I came to Canada, you know, my devotees told me I'm not a very happy person, you know. But last two years I came again, my devotees told me, Sister, you completely changed. <laughs> you are so happy now. <laughs> uh, this is the secret, this is my secret. Because whatever phenomena arise in my mind, I use mindfulness and wisdom and let it come, let it go. No more in my heart. Leave no trace in my heart. So, of course, then I become more and more happy, more and more light, more and more happy. So, those who really have Dhamma within oneself, you know, the happiness increases day by day.
it cannot become more and more sorrowful. If one practicing the Dharma and become more and more sorrowful, it's not in the right track. They must he he should check himself. Something wrong already. No? Because he hang on to something, he cling to something, he attached to something. No? So he must let go of the attachment. Even my happiness, I do not attach. No? It's not I don't want to attach because it's, it's impermanency asks me not to attach. Everybody attached to happiness. Uh, I also want happiness. But my experience, my practice told me that that happiness is also impermanent. So I can't attach to it. Well, my practice has told me already. Uh, if you attach to it, it ends up in suffering. So I start to let go. Good also I let go, bad also I let go. Leaving nothing in my heart. This is true happiness. Okay. So this comes from I contemplate the mind. When you know how to con- contemplate the mind, you will reach that stage that is called everything is arising, passing away, nothing worth clinging to. So you start to let go. Huh? When you let go, then your mind is liberated. When your mind is liberated, this is called true freedom in your heart. Okay, so this is the purpose, huh? the purpose and the importance of contemplating the mind. Okay, before uh, I end the talk, any question? Yes. Yes, I have a question about, I'm still not quite clear about rebirth mm. versus incarnation. Mm. Incarnation, I understand. The same soul mm-hmm. goes through many, many, many lives. But uh, maybe just semantics. If we say rebirth, mm. it means something was born, yes. um, My experience, experience birth, and My. then something else got it again. So what is it? If you don't, if the body is not the mind, it's just a combination of cause and effect. Okay. What gets? Okay, okay. It's a profound question, you know, uh, because I'm a teacher of Abhidhamma, you know. So this question is very easy for me to answer. <laughs> but to convince you is very difficult because the process is very profound. Anyway, I try my best to to tell you. Okay. Okay. During our dying moment. During our dying moment, one of the three signs will appear. Number one is called sign of karma. Number two is called sign of destination. Number three is called karma itself. Sign of karma. What is the sign of karma? Uh, For example, uh, a doctor or a Buddhist, a Buddhist uh, devotees, huh? he always uh, offer flowers to the Buddha. Huh? This is the merit, the wholesome deeds. Huh? So during his dying moment, he saw the flower again, which he used to offer to the Buddha. 
during his dying moment, this one pop up. This is called sign of karma. Okay. Another one is called sign. Uh, another one is called karma itself. Let's say now I'm preaching the Dharma to you. This is also meritorious deed, good deed. So during my dying moment, this good deed pop up again. I see myself like preaching the Dharma again, like now. Okay, this called sign. Uh, this called karma. Number third is sign of destination. Because of my preaching the Dharma, this is meritorious deed. So based on this meritorious deed, I'm going to reborn in heaven. So I see the heavenly mansion during my dying moment before I die. I see the mansion showing indicate I'm going to reborn in heaven. Okay. So during one person's dying moment, one of these three signs will arise. Why this sign arise? Because of the wholesome karma he performed in the course of his life. That's why I say action and reaction. Every action leaves behind karmic energy. That karmic energy during a person's dying moment, it manifests to tell you this your good action is going to reap the result. It's going to produce the result. At this point, are you clear first? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you're not clear, I cannot carry on. Huh? Okay. So, and this person dying moment, huh, will grasp, will grasp this object, will hold on to this uh, sign. Okay. And because in our mental stream, huh, ignorance has not been uprooted yet. Craving has not been uprooted yet. Huh? So ignorance, not knowing, another birth is also suffering. Not knowing. Huh? Another birth is also suffering. When there's birth, there's aging, sickness and death. So ignorance does not understand. Huh? Another new life, whether in heavenly or in earth, is also suffering. Because of not knowing, Craving, crave for another new life. Okay, so these two mental factors lie dormant in our mental stream. During the dying moment, it appears. Yeah? Grasp hold this sign in order to have new birth. Okay, and and then so this. Class hole is called clinging, yeah? clinging to that. Then after that, this person passed away, died. And a new consciousness, new consciousness arise somewhere. Not new being, new consciousness first. Yeah? This new consciousness arise somewhere, maybe in a heavenly being, uh, in, in a heavenly assistant. Yeah? And this new consciousness it's not the same as the immediately past life, the dying person's consciousness. It's not the same. Huh? If you say this new consciousness is the, exactly the same as the past life consciousness, this is called reincarnate, transmigrating from one to another. 
But in Buddhism, we never say it's, it's not the same consciousness. Huh? But if you say that this new consciousness, which has arisen in the heavenly existence, is nothing to do with the past. Can we say that? No, because it arises due to the good deed from the past. Huh? So we also cannot say this new consciousness has nothing to do with the past. If somebody says this new consciousness has rebirth, we call it rebirth consciousness. If this rebirth consciousness has nothing to do with the past, this is called annihilation view. And if anybody says that this consciousness is the same, exactly the same as the past, this is called eternality view. Huh? So Buddha avoid these two extremes. Buddha avoid these two extreme views and say that depend on the past ignorance and craving. I have mentioned just now, dependent on the past ignorance and craving, consciousness arises. And when the consciousness arises, mental factors always follow consciousness. Huh? Mental factors follow consciousness and every consciousness can produce four elements. So four elements also follow. Then gradually in the mother's womb, the body is formed. It's the new being. But not a not the same person. It's related with the past, but not the completely same. This is called middle path. So the teaching of the Buddha is the middle path. If you say it's the completely same, then it's called eternalism view. If you say completely different, it's annihilation view. So we ne we never we avoid these two views. We say cause and effect. This is called rebirth. Okay. Okay. Any other question? I don't want to give you so many heavy stuff, huh? You <laughs> cannot you cannot digest. Okay. Um, in Acharya Mun's book, uh, he spoke of a, a woman that he had spent time with. You know, they sort of gone through the ages, past lives, and so on. And it sounded like she had died and was sort of like in a waiting room, waiting to, to be born again. So, does sometimes the consciousness go somewhere until there's a proper room for it? How does how does that work? Uh, this is not mentioned in the Theravada Buddhism, but in Tibetan Buddhism, they mention they mention this one. We call antara bawa, the life in between. Antara antara bawa. So Tibetan and Chinese Mahayana teaching mention this one, but Theravada don't mention it. If you practice according to the teaching of the Buddha, of course, okay. of course, that that we cannot say consciousness. That wisdom, mental factor of wisdom, accompanied with consciousness, become wiser. Okay. Wisdom, not consciousness. One more question: that You say uh, to identify, uh, to observe the non-self. Mm. Uh, what's observing the non-self? Is that the self? 
I don't get. I didn't get it. Yeah. When we when we uh, when we go beyond the mind mm. and the body mm. uh, and observe that mm. in in higher states, upon higher states, what is observing that? Okay. Good. That? Good. Good question. Okay. Is that succeeding consciousness, observing preceding consciousness. It's not a, another highest beings observe the mind body. No. Consciousness arising, passing away, you know, each moment. So who observes the mind? The succeeding consciousness. Observing preceding consciousness. So if you you know find another then another <laughs> another wrong you come up pop up. Mm-hmm. Okay, good question. Okay, any other? No question. You say you have many questions. I have a question. I just I'm afraid that it's going to be too long. But um, in terms of rebirth, how does it go along with genetics? I mean, you know, there is a baby, and the baby has characteristics of the mother and the father, yes, yes, which yes, are alive. Yes, yes, and, yes. So, I said, well, he looks exactly like the grandfather or the father. Okay, good, good, so, good question, know. good question. Okay. That's why in Buddha's teaching, we never say one cause produce one effect. Never. Many causes produce many effects. So, in terms of rebirth, karma, you know, is one of the major cause. But the genetic also, the the sexual intercourse of the parents also one of the reason. Then the expiration of the lifespan of a certain being at the right time, or also one of the reason, and also at that time is uh, mother's. Uh, 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 what he's meant to mono mono what's I don't understand that. Uh, no no, uh, it's not mother season. It's something like that. You know, there are four causes. One is at that time is the intercourse of the mother and father, and the sperm go into mother's ovum. Or, uh, 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 then at that time, and and one being just pass away, at the right time. So then the rebirth can take place. So there are few causes that must mm-hmm. combine together in order for rebirth to take place. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay, no more question. Is my talk too 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 hard for you? No. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. It's a talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, if no question, then we stop here. So you should learn how to contemplate your mind, okay? Because if you, even you contemplate the body, you, know, you get disenchanted with the body, but you still cling to the mind as permanent, you know, as permanent as Buddha said. Yeah? You may get dispassionate, get uh, uh, disenchanted with the body, but you not yet get disenchanted with life yet, eh, with mind yet. One of my students. Uh, she she also see this the body you know bubbling passing away you know like particles in a in a state of flux, but she said that what so what I never change <laughs> you know my mind never change you know 
because she is cling to the mind as permanent as I as myself. So you must go to contemplate your mind in order to change your life, completely change your life and to attain eternal happiness. Okay, so from now onward to tomorrow, whatever emotion arises in you, then quickly observe it with what? Mindfulness and, and wisdom. wisdom. <laughs> yes. If you can remember and bear in mind and put into practice, next few years when we meet again, you will say, Sister, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Okay. Okay. And it's very also very helpful in your daily life because I know many Americans are stressed out, you know. There's so many emotion issues, you know, arising in your uh, mental stream. So it's only mindfulness and wisdom can help you. Huh? As a teacher, only give you guidance. You got to practice on your own. Uh, then you will uh, find more and more peace, more and more happiness in your life. Okay. So, and the last one, uh, dealing with, uh, like I think, almost three person told me that how to overcome the frustration, the anger, aversion when they arise. Okay. Now I already tell you how to cope with it using mindfulness and. Wisdom, but if your mindfulness is weak, slow, you know, only you, you utter speech, only you realize because mindfulness is so blunt, <laughs> so slow. Then, if it if it doesn't work at that moment, so sometimes you can change, transform your unwholesome mental state to the opposite state of wholesome mental state. Buddha say, what are the opposite state of aversion? Kindness, loving kindness, loving kindness. So if you have self hatred, then send more loving kindness to yourself. May I, may my mind, this mind, happy and peaceful. Don't say I. If not, you cling to the I again. May this mind be happy and peaceful. Always send the loving kindness to yourself. May this mind happy and peaceful. If you have hatred to other person, then may this person happy and peaceful. Uh, may this person be happy and peaceful. But for beginners who have no master of the mind, you want to send loving kindness to a person you don't like, it's not easy. Uh, you say, may this person, may my enemy be happy and peaceful. After some time, you want to get up and give him a blow. <laughs> <laughs> Because the anger is so great, yeah? so for beginners sometimes it may not be easy. Yeah? So you got to train every day until you really can have love for your enemy. Then you conquer your enemy. External enemy is not real enemy. Your own aversion is your true enemy. So if you can conquer your true enemy, the aversion then no one in this world can harm you. I guarantee you. Huh? Even people abuse you, uh, harass you, if you can conquer your own aversion, then the harassment abuse nothing to you. 
So the teaching of the Buddha is a better within, not without. Must always bear in mind this point. Okay. Is what you're saying it's important to love yourself mm. from the very beginning mm. and that sense starting the yes, yes, yes. this session mm. is love yourself first, yes. Without the eye. Yes. Yeah. Though you say mind element, so you mentioned just mind element. May this mind element be happy and peaceful, mm-hmm. peaceful. Then you don't say the I. You remind you only mind and body, only mind and body. Okay. Okay. So that's all. Tomorrow we have some time for group discussion. So if you have any other question, you can bring up.